0: Hey everybody out there in podcast land, this is Chris the Public Safety Guru bringing you another lecture to our National Registry EMT Season 2 Lecture Series. The lecture for today will be Patient Assessment and let me tell you this much, this is one of those lectures that makes students very uncomfortable. I know when I teach this in class, I can tell students are having difficulty because they look at all of the information being taught to them and they just get glassy eyed and they think to themselves, how am I going to remember all of this? While your professors should be telling you that trying to memorize this lecture within a week or two is just somewhat impossible. This is something that we build upon with every lecture and every skills demonstration and we're going to break it down for you more so in this podcast. So grab something to drink, let's get that notepad and pencil and let's start breaking down a patient assessment. And we're going to first talk about what you should know after you listen to your classroom lecture, after you read the chapters in your book, as well as after you successfully listen to this podcast. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're able to do so, please leave feedback on whatever podcast app you are using and spread the word about this podcast, because the more people that listen to this, it makes the podcast that much more successful. And don't forget, we have a webpage, the Public Safety Guru, Instagram, at the EMT Tutor, And a Patreon channel that lets you sign up for channel membership where you get exclusive content such as study guides, quizzes, and other resources. Okay, now let's get into your learning. Now, first, what I have found when I teach patient assessment is I break up the patient assessment into sub-chapters. So those chapters, we're going to first discuss and learn about scene size up. Then we're going to talk about the primary assessment, history taking, the secondary assessment, and the reassessment. And when we put all of these components together, you should have a sequence that allows you to do a patient assessment for both a medical and trauma patient. Okay. Just like with the other lectures, we're going to identify the knowledge domains for this particular lecture series. However, we're gonna do it a little bit differently here because if we actually look at what National Registry wants you to know, it is just inundated with multiple domains that can really confuse the EMT student, and I really feel this is where we go wrong in the actual classroom setting. So what we're going to focus on, and we're gonna really emphasize each one of the five areas that I identified earlier is under scene size up. We're gonna take this one first. We're gonna learn about the importance of scene safety as well as scene management. We're gonna discuss the impact of how the environment plays a role on patient care, such as hazards, looking out for violence if you're on some type of shooting, um, the need for additional and specialized resources such as a vehicle extrication because someone is trapped, our standard precautions that we use with all patients, and then those situations that may require additional resources because we have multiple patients. Next, once we determine this scene safety component, we're gonna move into the primary assessment. And in that, you are gonna have to learn all of the aspects of the patient assessment, which include determining the patient's level of consciousness, their ABCs, identifying life threats, assessing vital functions, and determining the patient status by just a general impression and then from this before we move forward we're going to deal with any life-threatening emergencies to preserve life and then once we've established that then we're going to move into the secondary assessment now let me take one step back before we move into that secondary assessment we're actually going to be moving into history taking and in this you as a student will be determining the chief complaint of the patient trying to determine the mechanism of injury or the nature of illness, and then any associated signs and symptoms that go along with your findings. And then we're going to investigate that chief complaint a little bit more thoroughly using things such as PQRST, and we'll get into that a little bit deeper later on, we're gonna to try to find any past medical history of the patient and any pertinent negatives. And then from there, if warranted, we're gonna go into the secondary assessment, which is when we perform that rapid full body scan, trying to find additional things that may be possibly wrong with possibly wrong with your patient. As we continue, you may find yourself not doing a full body scan, but more of a focus assessment, just due to the fact of the history of what has happened, and the fact that the patient is able to tell you exactly where their pain is at. We're going to assess vital signs, and then we're going to be doing other physical examinations, which would include evaluating the respiratory system, the cardiovascular system, neurological system, musculoskeletal system, and other anatomic regions. And then if we have certain devices available, we're going to go ahead and get that pulse ox, and then we're going to talk about the reassessment, when and how we do that assessment. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. While that may seem like a lot, it's really not when we break it down into little nuggets. All right, so let's get to this and let's get your head wrapped around patient assessment. Okay, so one of the first things that we're gonna talk about is BSI, body substance isolation. We have to first make sure that we are safe and our partner is safe. So remember, when that bell rings or you get that call, the first thing we do is BSI. After that, we're going to move on to Scene Size Up. So make this a little chapter in your notebook, and we're going to be breaking down Scene Size Up into subcategories. However, I want you to write down the following acronym, Penman, P-E-N as in Nancy, M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy again. Now, PENMAN stands for Personal, Partner, Patient Safety. E stands for Environmental Hazards, which include things such as heat, rain, and snow. N stands for Number of Patients. M stands for Mechanism of Injury or Nature of Illness. A stands for Additional Resources or Specialized Equipment and N stands for need for extrication, possible spinal immobilization. I don't know if this is the first time you are listening to a lecture about patient assessment, but I find that a lot of programs don't teach their students scene size up by utilizing Penman. In my opinion, Penman is the best way to learn all of the components of scene size up. If you utilize Penman, Definitely during your skills testing, you should hit all of the marks. Now, just remember, what we are breaking down right now is the first component of the patient assessment. So the patient assessment will always start with BSI. We make sure we are safe. And then we move on to penman. We're not going to leave scene size up yet as we're going to break it down a little bit more because I want you to get your head wrapped around the different areas. But remember, the call starts when you receive that information from dispatch and dispatch will provide you some preliminary information that you could begin your scene size up. They're going to tell you what type of call you may be responding on. They're going to give you a location. And at this particular time, you can start taking that information and start making that assessment. Are you responding to a residence? Are you responding to a business um, on the freeway? What type of call are you going on? Are you, are you going on a medical call or is this a trauma call? This is the stuff that you should have in the back of your mind as you start to determine your scene size up. And then when you finally arrive at scene, you'll be adding more information to that to allow you to further size up the scene. You may see multiple patients. You may see environmental hazards or you may already be in environmental hazards. It may be raining. It may be snowing. When you arrive, you may see one patient down on the ground. You may see multiple patients down on the ground. You're on the freeway. You have multiple vehicles entangled with one another. So now you may need additional resources such as you know additional ambulances or maybe someone needs extrication because they're trapped. These are all of the things that you are going to be putting together, not just when the call first comes over the radio, but while you're responding and then when you are parking your squad or ambulance. So this is why it's very imperative to use Penman because this will allow you to do that proper scene size up so you can move forward and then make contact with your patients and begin that primary assessment. One last thing about standard precautions slash BSI is standard precautions are those precautions that we take to protect ourselves and our partner. We refer to that as PPE, personal protective equipment. In EMS, that could consist of latex gloves, goggles, a mask, and sometimes with certain calls, you may have to put on a gown or maybe other specialized equipment, but generally, when we're on our typical calls, either it being a medical or trauma, we are going to have gloves, goggles, and some possible other equipment, maybe a helmet, turnout jacket, depending on where you work. But just remember, that is what BSI is all about. So to recap, when that call comes up or comes out, BSI. I'm putting on my gloves on, putting my goggles on, and make sure I have my safety equipment and make sure my partner has their safety equipment. And I refer to this as I'm safe, my partner's safe. When when we're responding to the call, as we pull up, we're looking for hazards, as well as dealing with other environmental hazards that may be there. We're trying to determine the number of patients that we may possibly see. And then from there, we're going to see if there are any clues to talk about Or identify what is the mechanism of injury or the nature of the illness and then we're going to try to determine if we need any additional resources do i need any extra ambulances do i need any specialized equipment do i need to extricate the patient does the patient need immediate spinal immobilization and then from there we're done scene size up is done thankfully because of pen man and now we're going to move into primary assessment so this is going to be your next category Now under patient assessment, what I'm first going to do is I'm going to give you all of the categories of how I teach my students. So write them down exactly like this, and then we're going to go back and we're going to add to them. So under primary assessment, the first thing we do is called general impression. Then we move into determine responsiveness. After that we obtain consent and we try to determine the chief complaint. From there we go into airway breathing, circulation. Then we try to visually determine if there's any disabilities or deformities. Then we move on to exposing and visualizing palpating the chief complaint. We formulate a field impression, and then we determine the patient priority and we make transport decisions. And now we're going to break all of this down to have a even flowing process to eventually get you to history taking and the secondary assessment. Okay, so under the category of primary assessment, we're going to now talk about general impression. General impression is exactly how it sounds. What is your impression of the patient? We're not even touching our patient yet. As we get out of our ambulance and we're about to make contact with our patient, I am formulating a general impression. What is the approximate age of our patient? The sex, the position the patient is in at this point in time. Can I determine the MOI mechanism of injury or the NOI nature of illness? Do I see any life threats or major disabilities? This is general impression, ladies and gentlemen. That is it. We are done. Does our patient look stable or unstable? We're just making that general impression of what we may possibly have. At this point in time, we're going to move into the next category determining responsiveness. And we utilize a little acronym called AVPU. A V as in Victor, P as in Paul, U AVPU. And that stands for A Alert, V Verbal, P Painful, U Unresponsive. Now, let's break that down a little bit more. For most experienced EMTs and paramedics, APU is one of those things that you can do alongside general impression. Think of it this way as you're walking up to your patient, does your patient look alert? If they're looking at you, APU is done because A stands for alert. Now, let's just say they appear to be sleeping. Then, obviously, A does not apply, and now we're going to go to verbal hello, hello ma'am, hello sir. If they respond, then we now know they're alert to verbal. If that does not work, then we may have to utilize some painful stimulus, refer to your local protocols. And if they don't respond to painful stimulus, then they're gonna be you-free unresponsive. At this particular time, we're gonna be checking for breathing and a pulse because we may need to begin CPR. To recap, remember, AVPU can be done while we're doing our general impression. Is the patient alert? No, okay. Does the patient respond to verbal? No, okay. Does Does the patient respond to painful? No, okay, then the patient is unresponsive. If your patient does not require any type of CPR, then we're gonna move into obtaining consent and trying to determine the chief complaint. Usually this is the point where we introduce ourselves to the patient or their family. And I make that introduction. Hello, ma'am. Hello, sir. I'm paramedic Chris. Um, Someone called 911 and we're here to help you. Do you need any help? And based upon the patient's response, at that point in time, I would ask them if I could take a look at them. Thus, we have now received patient consent. And then we can ask them what is happening with them today. And then you might be able to get that initial chief complaint. Let's just say the patient is not responsive and possibly unconscious. Then we have to ensure that the patient has a patent airway. We can put them in the left lateral position if that works or if they require us to open up the airway, you're gonna utilize the head, tilt chin lift or the jaw thrust. If there is an obstruction, then definitely you're gonna want to work on clearing that obstruction And also, you need to determine at this time, does the patient require suctioning? Are you going to utilize an OP or an MP airway? These are things that you would consider under airway. Remember, before we can move on to any other part of the assessment, the patient has to have an airway. Nothing else matters. So you need to do what you need to do to make sure this airway is open. Left lateral utilizing adjuncts such as an op or an np doing cpr i.e chest compressions when someone has unconscious choking whatever that may be you must do it i call this next part the chris cano algorithm to test taking in other words when we are doing our patient assessment before we can move basically go on to doing the fun stuff we got to first fix a once we fix a then we move to b once we fix b then we move to c after c is fixed then we get to utilize all of that cool equipment in back of your ambulance on our patients so remember that so now that we have determined that this patient has a good airway we're going to move to breathing now in this part of the assessment we're not going to start counting and that type of stuff all we're going to do is look at the chest rise and listen Is the patient breathing fast or slow, and how is this? Is their breathing, or does the breathing appear to be regular or irregular? Is the patient breathing shallow or deeply? Based upon this little part of the assessment, you may determine that the patient needs oxygen. You even may, at this point, break out a pulse ox if you have one available to you. Now, if the patient is presenting with shortness of breath or dyspnea you may consider doing lung sounds immediately so you can tell if the patient has wet breathing which may be indicative of congestive heart failure so this is all the stuff that you're going to do under breathing now let's just say that we're fine with breathing this means now we can move on to circulation in circulation once again we're not counting the number of heartbeats at this point in time that's going to come later on down the line in circulation we can do some quick cap refill we're looking for obvious bleeding when we do fill for a pulse we just want to see if the pulse is fast or slow regular irregular strong or weak and at this particular time we're going to take a look at the skin signs of the patient does the patient appear to be warm and dry or are they pale cool diaphoretic which then we may consider immediate shock management. Because remember, if your patient is in shock, that is a life-threatening emergency that needs to be corrected immediately. So if we find that the patient is pale, cool, and diaphoretic, then we're going to think shock management. We're going to start shock management before we move any further. And once we've completed this part of the assessment, then we're going to start looking for signs of patient disabilities and deformities And then we may possibly now do what we call strip and flip. We're going to expose certain areas of the body in a very significant trauma. This is where strip and flip comes into that where we cut all the clothes off so we can see the patient's body so we can find anything that may possibly kill the patient that is not presenting unless we actually remove their clothing. We're going to palpate. We're going to reinforce that this is the actual chief complaint that the patient has. Because remember, while a patient can say this is wrong with him, there may be something else that is actually more serious that we need to treat. At this particular time, we're going to formulate a field impression. Now, I'm going to back up because you may think to yourself, well, what happens if the patient tells me this is wrong? How could my findings make it different? Well, let's just say the patient has been assaulted and they're laying there and they're just in a lot of pain and they're telling you that the back of their head is the thing that hurts the most. But you decide that you're going to strip and flip and remove that shirt and you find that they have a stab wound to the thoracic part of the chest that is bubbling and you determine to be a open chest wound. Well, that's gonna need immediate treatment which would be your gloved hand over it to prevent air from going inside of the chest cavity collapsing that lung. That would be their chief complaint for you as opposed to them telling you that they have head pain. And it could be just because they don't know it's there. So that's what we're talking about here. At this point, now we can move forward and now formulate a field impression. We are saying our patient stable or unstable And at this point in time, are we managing all of the life-threatening situations that the patient is presenting? Based on your field impression, you now will identify which patients are more serious than other patients and prioritize those patients that who will be transported first and where they will be transported to. You also, at this point, will make transport decisions. In other words, does your patient require a specialized facility? Do they require a STEMI center, a trauma center? These are all things that we take into account based upon that primary assessment. Okay, so let's recap primary assessment before we move on to history taking. The primary assessment consists of the general impression, which is just your impression of the patient's age, sex, the position they're in, the possible MOI or NOI, and any life-threatening threats that you may see or major disabilities. While at the same time you're doing this, you're going to determine the responsiveness of your patient utilizing AVPU, alert, verbal, painful, unresponsive. Once you have done this, you're gonna move on to obtaining consent and trying to find the initial chief complaint of your patient. Once we have done this, we're gonna move into airway, breathing circulation, making sure that we fix any problems in any of those three categories before we move on to checking the patient for further disabilities or possible deformities. Once we do that, we are going to expose, visualize, and palpate the chief complaint so we can determine if this is the true chief complaint and what we can do to fix that chief complaint so it doesn't get any worse. Then we're going to formulate our overall field impression. Have we met all of the patient's needs in regards to managing life-threatening situations? And then we're going to determine the patient priority. Should they go code two, code three? And where should the patient go? That is it for your primary assessment. So now let's talk a little bit about history taking, and then we'll move on into the secondary assessment. History taking in reality is part of the secondary assessment, but we're going to separate it for learning purposes. So under history taking, I want you to write down the following acronyms. The first one is sample. And the next one is O P Q R S T. And now we're going to break those up and we're going to talk a little bit about those and then we're going to put them all together under the secondary assessment because there are times that we basically take our history or I should say there are different times when we actually do history taking during the secondary assessment and that usually focuses around your patient being minor or severe and I'll get a little bit deeper into that as we get there. So sample stands for S, signs and symptoms, A, allergies, age, gender, weight, M for medications, P, pertinent medical history, L for last oral intake, last exit, in other words, bowel movement, and E, events surrounding the event. So when we're talking to our patient, Remember, put sample in the back of your mind as you're asking the patient, you know, what is going on today and what Symptoms they may have and of course you're looking for those signs as I'm talking to my patient. I'm like ma'am. What is bothering you today? Oh, I'm having chest pain. Oh, okay Well, tell me about that chest pain and then we start breaking that chest pain down a little bit more now for me If I have a patient that is having some type of chest pain or shortness of breath, something medical, then I'd like to also utilize OPQRST. O stands for onset, sudden or gradual. P for provoked and palliation. Palliation is, does anything make it better? Q for quality, what does the pain feel like? R is for region, radiation, reoccurrence. S is for severity and then T is for time. And then last part of history taking will be vitals, which would include your blood pressure, assessing pupils, assessing lung sounds, assessing the level of consciousness of your patient. In other words, are they alert and oriented? Or are we using the Glasgow Coma Scale because they may have possibly Well, some places use glass calcoma scale, and we'll talk about that in a later lecture. What are the skin signs of your patient, which include color, temperature, moisture, turgor of the skin? What are the respirations of your patient? What is the rate, the rhythm, the tidal volume, the effort? And then last, your patient's pulse, rate, rhythm, and quality. This is all part of history-taking. Now what we're going to do is we're going to now put history taking into two categories. So on your note paper, I want you to respond. I want you on the left side of your paper to write responsive medical slash minor trauma. On the left side of your paper, responsive medical slash minor trauma. On the right side of your paper, I want you to write major trauma slash unresponsive medical. Major trauma slash unresponsive medical all right now we're going to break this up and this is now going to come under your secondary assessment all right we're going to begin with a responsive patient because this is the patient that can respond to your questions now what i find is as a new emt student you should definitely be utilizing sample and opqrst however as you get more into your career, you're going to find that you're going to come up with your own style. And I'm going to use the following example. I'm going to say this patient has chest pain. And now listen to the questions that I ask the patient. First, I'm going to determine the patient's level of consciousness. Hello, ma'am. What is your name? If she gives me her name, I know she's a Ma'am, how old are you? If she tells me her age, now she is ANO2, Alert and Oriented 2. Ma'am, do you know where you're at right now? Oh, I am at home. Now I know my patient is ANO3, so now I can move further. While I'm doing this, I'm going to have my partner get me my baseline vital signs, my pulse, my blood pressure, and um, a pulse ox, obviously, if we have that equipment. And now I'm going to start asking questions. Ma'am, what is going on with you today? oh i'm having some chest pain okay well when did that start oh it started about 20 minutes ago okay what were you doing when that chest pain came on oh i was gardening you were gardening okay has this ever happened to you before yes i have a uh, history of heart problems and i take medication for that okay so you have a history of heart problems have you ever had a heart attack before yes i have when was that heart attack? Oh, it was about a year ago. Oh, ma'am, what medications do you take? Oh, I don't know the name of them, but they're on my nightstand. Okay, did you take any of those medications when your chest pain started? No, I just decided to call 911. Okay, all right, I get it. Ma'am, when's the last time you ate anything? Oh, I ate breakfast this morning. Okay. Now, in regards to that chest pain, ma'am, um, you said it was you were working out in the garden. What does it feel like? Is it a crushing, a stabbing, piercing? Oh, it feels like someone sitting on my chest. Okay. With one finger, can you point to where that chest pain's at? Let your patient point. Does that pain go anywhere? Does it, uh, you know, does it go to other parts of your body? And then, ma'am, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt, what would you say this pain is? Oh, it's an eight. Okay. And now it's been going on for about 20 minutes. Okay. If you can see, if you take a look and you write down sample and you write down OPQRST and you re listen to this part of the podcast, you will see that we have answered all of those questions. The only one last thing I need to ask her is, does she have any allergies to medications? And then we have asked all of the questions under sample and OPQRST. Remember, You are just starting off, so you should definitely be utilizing sample and OPQRST, as well as utilizing your resources, which would be your partner taking your baseline vital signs. For me, I like to listen to my own lung sounds, so as soon as I got done answering all of my questions, I would go ahead and get my stethoscope and then listen to my patient's lung sounds. And then from there, If there was anything that I needed to take a look at, I would do what they call the pertinent body check. And this is really mostly under trauma. So if we have a patient that has maybe a fractured ankle because they tripped and fell, then instead of doing a full secondary head to toe because our patient is alert, we would do a pertinent body check for that trauma. And this is what we do under the category Responsive Medical Slash Minor Trauma. Now, this will change a little bit when we have a patient who is major trauma slash unresponsive medical. So let's jump into that now. The reason why I like to break down the secondary assessment into minor and major is it helps you to know the order of operations and how you do things. So once again, we've already covered responsive medical slash minor trauma. Now let's cover major. When you have major trauma or unresponsive medical, the next thing we're going to do is not history. We're going to do what we call a rapid medical or a rapid trauma assessment. This is a quick head-to-toe, front-to-back assessment, which is done in 60 to 90 seconds to find life-threatening emergencies. So a rapid Medical slash rapid trauma assessment is a head to toe, front to back, rapid 60 to 90 assessment to find what is going to kill your patient. After we have done this assessment and corrected the problem, then we're gonna move into our vitals and then into our sample, and then we would utilize OPQRST if the chief complaint is pain or shortness of breath. And at this point in time, once we've determined sample, we are going to move into a detailed physical exam. This is that head to toe survey that we teach you in class where you start at the head, you get down to the toes and you come back to the arms and you're trying to find other things that may be wrong wrong with your patient that were not found during the primary and secondary assessment and this is when we think decap btls Sometimes I have found that my patients have been so critical, and when I did my rapid trauma assessment and I was doing what needed to be done to fix those problems, I never got the opportunity to do the detailed physical exam because I was too busy doing other things to save the patient's life. You'll be very surprised in your travels that you will find that you will sometimes not be able to splint, bandage some of these minor injuries because you're dealing with the major injuries. So let's go back to the major trauma slash unresponsive medical. When you're in this category, the immediate thing you're going to do right after your primary assessment is doing a rapid medical or a rapid trauma assessment. From there, you're going to take your vitals because you need to know if your patient's in shock or not shock. And then once we have done this, we're going to hit sample and we may possibly use OPQRST if the chief complaint is centered around pain or shortness of breath. Once we have done this, we're going to hit that detailed physical exam, which is a head, neck, chest, abdomen, pelvis, legs, arm, back assessment, utilizing DCAP, BTLS, TIC, And this can be done in route to the trauma center, possibly on scene if medical. That is it. This is a secondary assessment. This is how I find the best way to teach my students by breaking it up into two categories. All right, now we're going to add the fifth component to this, which is reassessment. First, a rule of thumb is that we reassess critical patients every five minutes, and non-critical patients every 15 minutes. You should repeat the primary assessment. Reassess vital signs and compare those vital signs with your initial vital signs. We reassess the chief complaint. We always reassess any time we do any type of interventions. And if there are any changes in the patient's condition, you should treat those changes if appropriate, and ensure that you're doing documentation on your initial assessment, as well as each reassessment until you get to the hospital. Personally, I think it's smart for an EMT or paramedic to do one last reassessment before you hand off your patient to the receiving facility. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is it for your patient assessment lecture. However, I will let you know that I will be doing smaller lectures, breaking up patient assessment into those five categories, which will mean there will be five separate mini lectures. Additionally, I'm working on videos to demonstrate the steps for the patient assessment. And you'll be able to find those videos on YouTube. Just search for the public safety guru. There's already a few, voice only lectures on there but I would definitely set up following it and setting up those alerts so when I finally post those videos of patient assessment as well as other treatments you'll be able or I should say you'll be notified don't forget there's various ways that you can support this podcast as well as get access to exclusive content we've already talked about that but search for the EMT tutor on your Instagram to get the latest updated information about this podcast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for me, the public safety guru. Once again, good luck and happy EMT and spread the word about this podcast. Thank you.